talk about Badger hockey. Look, nothing against Badger hockey. I'm just not a hockey guy. I got enough going on. I got to watch the Wizards play the Cavaliers later this week. I can't take time away from that to watch hockey. Are you kidding me? No. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Every day I put a lot of thought and effort into preparing this show. What are we going to talk about? You know, what are we going to talk? What order are we going to tackle all these topics in? And uh, including the intro, like this part right now. Like I got to have some funny anecdote or some joke, some bit to open the show. I'll just, I'll just admit, I got nothing today. And I, it, not through lack of effort. I was scrambling to try to think of some funny way to start the show right up until about 15 seconds ago. But, you know, maybe a lack of a show open is a show open in and of itself. I got, I got nothing. Well, here's something interesting that happened to me in the last 24 hours. I, I, I had a surprising amount of beers last night. That kind of snuck up on me. I had to stay up really late for the Bucks game, and I'm like, well, I'll treat myself to a beer. And then, like, three or four silos later, because I just, I had it in the fridge. It's like, well, if I'm, I'm going to be up late watching the game, I'll treat myself. Then by the end of the game, I'm like, man, I can't even tell. This jersey combo is terrible. The Bucks are like this light green, and the Clippers are a dark gray, and I can't tell the teams apart, and the Bucks are getting blown out, and this whole night was a total, complete waste of time. I guess that's one interesting thing I can share to start the show today. Didn't intend to have multiple beers last night, but sometimes it just kind of sneaks up on you. As I tweeted about, my life is an open book. Follow along, read along, at Wisco Grant. It's the Wisco Sports Show, and my name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an excellent day. I hope you had a, a much more regular, healthy, balanced night watching the Bucks last night, or maybe you watched college basketball, other NBA games. The women's tournament was on, too. Uh, maybe this is unpopular, but the only college basketball game I watched last night was a girls game. It was Baylor versus UConn. Paige Beckers is from the cities, so it's kind of not really a local connection, but kind of. And UConn's always interesting. So I'll, I'll, I'll watch a UConn women's game at some point during the tournament, and Baylor's really good, and the game was really good. I think UConn got a little lucky. Baylor probably should have been shooting two at the free throw line, down one with, you know, a second or two to go. Um, but that's not how it went. So that game was enthralling or at least as enthralling as a girls' game can be. And I don't say that as an insult to a women's basketball game. It's just not my favorite sport, right? Just like soccer is my favorite. I can enjoy soccer to an extent. I can enjoy women's basketball to an extent. Very much enjoyed Baylor and UConn last night. I watched Russell Westbrook and the Wizards play the Pacers. I hate that League Pass is blacking out NBA TV. I think that's so dumb. I don't want to have to pay for both. I wanted to watch the Celtics and the Pelicans last night, but I had to settle for the Wizards and the Pacers. And then the Bucks later on in the night. So I didn't watch any of the Elite Eight games last night. I guess I saw a little bit of the Baylor game. Baylor's really good. Baylor's really, really good. So that's what I was watching last night. Going to talk about a little bit of all of it. Little Bucks, a little college basketball, little NBA. We're going to do some NFL stuff today. DraftKings Sportsbook put out their over-unders and their win percentages and their Super Bowl odds. So we're going to go over that at 530, kind of use those numbers as a starting point to have some fun conversations and maybe try to make some predictions. And one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people, Bart Winkler will join us at 4.30 uh, from the fan in Milwaukee. He's been joining the show ever since 2018. Um, and I always enjoy speaking with him. So we're going to, I think, talk a little bit of everything. Packers, Brewers, and Bucks. I have at least one question on each team that I want to ask. That's coming up at 4.30. Uh, if you would like to be a part of the show, I, here's an invitation. Here's the number, 608-796-2558. Mitch in Madison already texts in. He says, your hockey comment is spot on. It's a terrible sport to watch on TV. Yeah, yeah, hockey's just not my thing. But in high school, I had a lot of friends who were on the team. And I enjoyed going to games. That was very, very fun. Even though it was, you know, crummy high school hockey. I enjoyed going. But on TV, it's just in the... They're moving so fast. And the blue line means this. And the... I, I agree with you, Mitch. I'm not ripping on hockey. I just wasn't raised in a hockey household. Wasn't raised a Minnesota Wild fan. We don't have an in-state team, which makes a difference, too. Not hating on hockey, not hating on women's basketball, not hating on soccer, but, you know, just sports that aren't really my thing. The Bucks, the NBA, that's my thing. Why don't we start there? The Bucks lost to the Clippers last night, 129-105. And as I explained on last night's show, this week we're kind of turning a page on the Bucks season. Not, not to the end of the book, but into a new chapter. Because the way I see it, 
you can chunk up this season into a couple different chapters so far. You had the to, to start the season, you had the bubble aftermath where the everyone was blowing each other out and the game stunk and, and the season wasn't really quite ready to start and the players weren't quite ready, but the NBA started anyways. And we were all more focused on football anyways, let's be real. That was the first couple weeks of the season. We weren't too dialed in. Nothing meant too much at that point in the season. Then, at some point after a few weeks, we hit this stretch where players started to get COVID or they got injured. So on any given night, oh, the Lakers are playing the Sixers. I can't wait to watch that. Oh, Anthony Davis and LeBron are out and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are both out too. Okay, so, oh, I'll, I'll watch the Wizards play the Celtics. Oh, Jason Tatum is hurt and Jalen Brown is in COVID protocol and Kevin Durant's still hurt and Kyrie Irving's attending to a family matter, paying a tribute to Derrick Rose when he was with the Knicks. Like Everybody was out, injured or COVID or whatever. So that, that was kind of the second chapter of the season. And then for the last couple of weeks, the All-Star break included, we actually had a really good run of games where players were by and large healthy and we had some really, really good made-for-TV games where it kind of felt like we were back to normal. And then, turn another page, we hit the trade deadline. And as I talked about yesterday, the, the two weeks around the trade deadline, we talked more about the deadline and the movement of players than the actual games. Players are sitting out in case they're traded, and then for a couple days after the trade deadline, right? Like, these new players haven't joined their teams yet. So it's like, well, we can't judge the Celtics. They haven't gotten Evan Fournier yet. How could we, how could we be expected to evaluate Brad Stevens and the Celtics until they get Evan Fournier, who was terrible last night, Now we're turning a page past the trade deadline and we're entering what I think is the best part of the NBA season, which is the stretch following the trade deadline that leads up until about two weeks before the start of the playoffs. So from now until the beginning of May, this is the golden zone. And then when you get really close to the playoffs, seeding starts to get decided and then tanking teams start sitting everybody and and the, the balance kind of goes away once again. But we're in the golden zone right now. And the start of the golden zone, we can... I'm not married to that name. We can change it. The start of the Golden Zone, which started this week, also coincides with the start of a six-game Western Conference road trip for the Bucks. Nine out of ten of their next games are on the road. East-West, you know, six six of the next games are in the West Coast, and nine of their next ten total are on the road. And it didn't start well last night. They lost 129-105. Well, you know what? It actually did start well in a sense. The Bucks were up 38-26 to after the first quarter, and life was good. In the first quarter last night, the Bucks hit 7 of 11 of their three-point shots, and the Clippers hit 2 of 10, and I had a beer in me, only one beer, which is the golden spot to be in the golden zone of the season, and I'm an idiot sitting watching this game thinking, this is sustainable. We're going to run the Clippers out of their own gym. <laughs> oh, the Bucks have hit 7 of 11 threes. Oh, they'll keep this up. Idiot. I blame the PBR. It was not sustainable. Spoiler alert. It was not sustainable. The Bucks got ran out of the gym last night. Outscored. 31-17 in the second quarter, 39-31 in the third, and then 33-19 in the fourth quarter. It got bad after that first quarter, but we had hope, right? We had hope for the first couple of minutes. Last night's loss was a good reminder that the Bucks still have some kinks to work out, even after that stretch where they won eight straight games. By the way, everybody's saying, oh, the Bucks have lost three in a row. Those first two games didn't count. That came on Friday. That was a scheduled loss. The Celtics had played so poorly. They, they, they were going to get hot and win a game, and they did. And then on Saturday, they, they sat everybody. So the three games in a row that they've lost, no, 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 no. The first two didn't count. I'm the official. I, I speak for this winning or losing streak. The first two didn't count. They have lost one game in a row, and that is all. And that's the final word. I won't have debate on it. Even after those eight straight wins before this last weekend, the Bucks still have some kinks to work out. And that was made clear by last night's game. I think the number one kink, and I don't know if we, we forgot about this or we just mentally blocked it out, but the Bucks really struggled to defend the three-point shot. And this was known coming into the year, right? They gave up three-pointers like no other in the bubble. Teams were routinely hitting, you know, 15-plus three-point shots against Milwaukee. And then it became, like, a point of conversation with the players. Like, oh, I was talking to so-and-so by the pool, and he gave me the keys to beat the Bucks, and it's just shoot a lot of threes. It's like, what? 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 That's how you beat the Bucks. That was figured out in the bubble last year. Just jack a bunch of threes. They'll get, they'll, the Bucks will give you the threes. Like with Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Jay Crowder, the whole game plan of the Heat and Eric Spolstra is to get those guys looks from three. Like, how do we scheme Duncan Robinson and how do we scheme Jay Crowder? No, 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 don't worry about that. The Bucks will just let you shoot them. If that was their MO 
it was that bad in the bubble last year. So we knew the Bucs couldn't defend the three. But at times this season, we forgot about it. Last night, hard to forget. The Clippers shot 19 of 34, which is just under 56%. That ain't going to cut it. So a reminder last night that the Bucs still need to work on defending the three-point shot. And the sure, the Clippers shot really well, too. It can be both. The Clippers had great shooting luck, which is by and large out of the Bucks' control. But they also didn't really make life difficult on the Clippers like they didn't make life difficult on really anyone in the bubble last year. That's kink number one. Kink number two, the Bucks need to get better at closing quarters. And, and this was obvious again last night. And to be fair, they, they closed the first quarter strong. They finished the first quarter on a 13 to nothing run. But when you, you know, hit seven of 11 three-point shots in a quarter, you're, pro- you're probably going to finish the quarter strong. But if you look throughout the rest of the game, you know, going into halftime, they struggled. Going into the third quarter break, they struggled. And then by the end of the fourth, it was over. And I wish I had a concrete stat to prove this. And I'm sure there's some subscription-based website where if I pay like $14.99 a month to cleaningtheglass.org, you know, I could find such data. But I'm not, I don't know. You can watch that game. You can see it. It's obvious, right? They didn't close the second quarter well. They didn't close the third quarter well. It, they always struggle and slide at the end of quarters. And you can't, you can't beat good teams, especially in the playoffs, when you're coasting into the breaks. And it's the same in the NFL. Like, you can't give up easy points going into halftime. <clears throat> like Kevin King did. Mike Patton. They retained one, let the other go. Kind of weird. But Kevin King, surrendering that touchdown before half, I mean, that's the turning point in that game. And that's the turning point I'll always come back to. And some of you Aaron Rodgers haters are like, well, they had the three interceptions in the second half. They couldn't do anything with it. Yeah, the Bucks' defense is really good. Right? Like, how, how about we focus on the actual catastrophe in that game, which was Kevin King giving up points going into half? I, I don't know if it was because he checked out. He's like, ah, it's six seconds to halftime. We're good. And I don't know what it was. You, you can't give up free points going into a break. The Bucs were doing it last night, and they've they've been poor at that this season. If you looked at the overreaching, the big-picture sample size of the season, they've been really bad at closing quarters. And closing poorly won't kill the Bucs against the Knicks or uh, against the Magic, but in the playoffs against good teams, you, you can't coast into the break. You can't coast into the quarter or into halftime. Last thing that last night made very clear hurts to bring this up. This is a player I really like. Chris Middleton, I love. You know this. But he's gotten under my skin in the last week or so. He's a big money player. He's making about $35 million a year. And I always say to not dwell on the money. Don't worry about the money. It's not our responsibility to worry about the money or to pay the players the money. But for $35 million a year, I don't want a passive player. Like I don't want a player that disappears. And he just disappears seemingly voluntarily. And I don't know if, if I should be angry at Chris Middleton for not you know, forcing the issue and forcing his way into being a contributor in a game, or if that's on Coach Bud because he doesn't run enough sets for Chris or he doesn't make it a focal point in a game plan or or in halftime adjustments to get Chris involved. It's probably a little bit of both. But somebody on this team, whether it's Middleton or one of the coaches, somebody needs to force the issue. Somebody or or everybody, Middleton and the coaching staff. I can't have a 25-point loss, a 24-point loss on the West Coast in which Chris Middleton has 15 points. He also had their, their worst other than Giannis who played, who played you know, Giannis is going to have the worst plus minus because he's out there in, in a bad loss. Chris Middleton was minus 28 last night. That's, that's, that's booty. That's just, that's a turd of a game. You forgot he was out there last night. For $35 million a year, I, I, can, I can have a bad game here and there. I can, I can put up with somebody's shot not falling. I, I don't really like a player who disappears. Like, and just, oh, is Chris Middleton out there? Oh, yeah, okay, he's over there in the corner. He's doing nothing. That bothers me for $35 million a year. And I know I'm always the person who says, don't, don't dwell on the money, don't worry about the money. But the money does kind of matter a little bit. It has to matter a little bit. It's not everything, but it's not nothing. Certainly not nothing with Chris Middleton. All those issues showed up last night. Closing quarters, Chris Middleton, giving up three-point shots. But there was another issue that I, I didn't really expect. Rebounding. The Bucks couldn't rebound last night. The Clippers rebounded 36.5% of their misses. It felt like I was watching a Badger basketball game. And the thing is, the Clippers aren't that big. Zubach is, is not that big. Right? Like, who's playing the four for the Clippers? Kawhi Leonard or Marcus Morris? Paul George didn't even play last night. It's, it's not even... They don't, they don't have a rebounding center. They're not a physical rebounding team. That's why the Lakers beat them up inside. That's why the Nuggets beat them up inside in the bubble last year. 
So if you're giving up all these offensive boards to the Clippers, what does that mean when you play against Philly? Philly's got more size than anybody, especially with Embiid healthy. Or, or what if you can't get offensive rebounds against the Nets? Now, the Nets aren't going to kill you inside because they don't play a lot of bigs. But if you start giving extra shots to Durant or Harden or Kyrie, you if you get lucky enough to force a missed shot, you need to grab onto it against the Nets because you can't give them freebies. It's so demoralizing. And Drew Holiday talked about that after the game last night. He's like, look, to, to defend for 23 seconds and then to not get a rebound. It just, it's demoralizing. It'll beat you down. And by the end of the game last night, the Bucs were beaten down. They lost by 24 points to a team without their second best player. Patrick Beverly didn't play either, but I don't, I don't know how much that matters for what it's, for what it's worth. Uh, coming up next, I want to continue to talk about the Bucks. Brand new segment uh, I'm going to debut. Brand new segment. Uh, and I also want to talk about something positive from last night. Kind of a fun story that I, I, don't, I don't know if it's flying under the radar with Bucks fans or not. I'm, I'm not really sure, but I want to talk about Thanasis, the other Antetokounmpo. Talk about him and brand new segment uh, with Coach Bud coming up next as well. Bart Winkler from The Fan will join us at 435. A lot more of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having an excellent, excellent evening. Follow me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Um, I mean, or don't if you hate my takes and you don't need any extra of me. That's fine. You don't have to, but you can at Wisco Grant. You can always text the show as well. 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. The TTNL. Still, did we decide whether or not that acronym was, did we make a decision on that? We can continue to workshop it. It's fine. I don't can't remember if we decided on that or not. Talking about the Bucks, who lost to the Clippers last night, 129-105. There was a moment, a moment in the first quarter where I know we all felt it, where we're like, yes, it's happening again. They're going to blow out the Clippers. Bucks are, are going to go on this winning streak over the Western Conference. Oh, my God, look, Drew's healthy, and they're figuring things out, and Diakite is getting run, and let's go. And then everything fell apart, absolutely crumbled. But we had that excitement for a little bit. The Bucks shot 7 of 11 from 3 in the first quarter, which any sane person would have told you that's not sustainable, but the 16-ounce silo of PBR that I had over the course of the first quarter just was whispering in my ear, Grant, they got this. They're going to cruise to a win. Don't give up hope. Get excited. I did give up hope by the end of the third quarter. This game fell apart in short order. Bar Winkler of the fan will join us at 4.35. We're going to cover a, a wide variety of topics, Brewers, Packers, and Bucks. I also have a music-related question for Bart. Those of you who listen to the Zone Morning Show over the line with Ebo and Nelson, I was on with them this morning, and Ebo was playing Neil Diamond, and it kind of turned into a thing we talked about for a few minutes, and I tweeted about it. I was like, look, Neil Diamond is, is probably the, the artist that's most underappreciated by people my age. And Bart, out of nowhere, came flying in with a retweet this morning. And come to come to know, Bart is a huge Neil Diamond fan. Always has been since high school, which I didn't know. So I want to ask him very quickly about that because I love talking about music too. Neil Diamond, a performer and a showman in every sense of the word. And I did not expect today to be a Neil Diamond day, but I've been listening all day. And that started with Ebo this morning. So thank you, Ebo. We'll continue this discussion uh, centered around Neil Diamond continuing with Bart in about 10 minutes. I want to close our conversation about the Bucks game last night by hearing from Coach Bud. And this is a brand new segment I just invented. It's called uh, Debrief with Bud, uh, sponsored by um, Gruber, Gruber Law Offices. One, one call, that's all. Um, yeah, let's talk about uh, last night's game with Coach Bud. First, Coach Bud talking about uh, the Clippers hitting 19 threes. They shot 56% from three last night. And Coach Bud... Uh, I, obviously saying the defense wasn't good enough. Just didn't think we guarded um, very well, um, you know, particularly late. Um, you know, just too much penetration. Um, you know, they did a good job of getting inside of us, and, and then they played with the pass, and, um, you know, they made a lot of shots, but they were creating a lot of good looks from, um, you know, I think we got to be better defensively. It's it's multifaceted. There's your, there's your big word of the day. Uh, the Bucks defended the three poorly last night, but the Clippers also just hit a lot of shots. Like, that'll happen. 
Uh, I think the same thing happened on Friday with the Celtics. The problem is it seems to happen against the Bucks a lot. Like, not every game can be an outlier, right? The, the Bucks have issues defending the 3-2, and that's an issue that we talked about in our opening conversation just a couple minutes ago, something they got to continue to work on, and last night I think was a good reminder. The most damning part of last night's game I don't actually think was the Bucks' inability to defend the three. That's not a surprise. It was their inability to rebound with with uh, with a much bigger roster than the Clippers, like, Zubach is not a monster on the board. Um, I felt like I was watching the Badgers. Coach Bud talking about the inability to get offensive rebounds. Yeah, I mean, their their effort on the offensive boards was a, was a big factor. You know, um, inability to guard the three-point line and inability to rebound. Um, you know, and I think a lot of that just comes from, you know, not doing a better job of, of guarding just individually. So, um, you know, I think it was it was just not a good – wasn't a good enough effort for us defensively um, and give them credit. They played well. Um, you know, they created some of the problems for us and, uh, but we've got to be, we've got to be significantly better. Eric name asking a follow-up, like what actually, like there's no reason that this team should, should be getting killed on the boards against the Clippers, not a big team. Why can you explain maybe why that happened? So a follow-up, good follow-up by Eric name of the athletic. Yeah, we didn't get it done. Um, you know, we'll have to look at the tape and, um, you know, I think just all of us got to coach better, got to play better, rebound better, guard the ball better, just do everything better. Okay. 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 I'm not gonna lie. I, I can admit when I'm wrong. This has been a waste of time. This segment, this new segment debriefing with bud, which it's not sponsored. Maybe David Gruber will get in touch. This was, what even is that? We just got to be better. Okay, sick. There's no reason to get killed on the boards. None. The Clippers aren't a big team. That remains their weakness. They have good wing defenders, which accounts for Chris Middleton having a rough night, but Paul George didn't even play. So they were without one of their wing defenders and, and Patrick Beverly didn't play another wing defender. So be better. Okay. Thank you. Noted coach bud. This has been debriefing with bud. Sponsored by um, Hupie and Abraham. One positive note from last night. Uh, Thanasis might be good. Thanasis Antetokounmpo. Not like all-star good. Or, or pro- not even starter good. But other than Pat Connaughton, who played 31 minutes. And I like Pat, but that's like, why? why, why? A little bit confusing. Thanasis played 19 minutes last night. Which is just too shy of Brooke Lopez. There might be a role for him on this team. Like, might be. Maybe not in every game, in every moment, but here and there, there might be a role on this team. Hit a few different shots last night, showed the ability to run the floor and finish around the rim. That's it's fun. I, I like that. And it's crazy to think that I think we all thought that Thanasis is probably the, one of the worst players in the NBA. And he was on the team because he's Giannis' brother, and, well, it's the 14th roster spot. Why not? And, and the idea that the Bucks had Greek night just to give him a chance to play... And then this year, he kind of became the energy guy. Like, oh, well, he's a spark plug. We can, you know, we can put him out there and, and he'll be, he a spark plug. I, I think a couple weeks ago, I, I said, if you want something to change, put Thanasis in the game. Like, if this team has no energy, if the game is going terribly, we'll put Thanasis in and guarantee there will be an impact. It might be bad. It might be good, but there will be an impact. Right? We kind of reached that point with Thanasis. He might have a role. He's, he shows good basketball instincts. And he has bad moments, don't get me wrong, but he's vocal and he doesn't, he, he plays every minute of the game like it's the last time he's ever going to get to play basketball. And I think the Bucks need more guys like that because a lot of these, they just start sleepwalking through a game. It happened on Saturday. I think at the end of the game last night, it happened where they're just like, eh, let's get out of here. The Nassas is never going to do that. And I, I think there's a legit role for him on the team. And that's exciting. That's fun. You know, we'll see what kind of run he gets tomorrow against the Lakers or as this Western Conference road trip rolls on. Six games on the West Coast and nine of their next ten all in all on the road, even with some some Eastern Conference teams mixed in. So, be a good test. We'll see if the Nassis continues to get run here and there. Nineteen minutes is not. It's not like insubstantial. Is that a word? It's not insignificant, right? Diakite got nine minutes, which I really liked. Diakite could do some things. Once again, not not a starter, not an All Star. It's not what I'm saying, but. Coach Bud has got to realize that there are a few guys on this bench that are useful players, right? And he needs to figure out how to best use them. Like, Coach Bud needs to become more like Craig Council in the fact that he understands the utility of all of these players, and he can put them in when they're used best. Because I think Coach Bud, sometimes with this bench, it's random. It's like, okay, Pat, get in there. Dante, hey, you. 
Uh, Bryn Forbes, it's your turn. Like, I'd like to see him be a little bit more deliberate, like Council, who always knows which reliever to grab, especially in September, always knows which button to push. He does things for very specific reasons. I don't feel that way about Bud, but it was nice to see Diakite in the game. It, it was nice to, to see a couple things last night, even though the Bucks got blown out. I'm not happy about the blowout. Don't get me wrong. I'm just I'm looking for silver linings here. It's Tuesday. We can't be 100% miserable on Tuesday or we'll never make it through the week. 608-796-2558. I see we have a text or two. Get to those on the other side of the break and a tweet at Wisco Grant. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll get to your comments, your tweets, and your texts, and we'll speak with our good friend Bart Winkler from The Fan. We'll talk Bucks, Brewers, Packers, and very briefly, Neil Diamond. Uh, I will explain why. Coming up next, more of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you tuning in. On Twitter at Wisco Grant. What 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 is what is going on here? I mentioned Neil Diamond, and I'm I'm having expletives lobbed my way. I get it. Hunter doesn't like Neil Diamond, but those words aren't necessary. You don't like Neil? That's fine. It's more for the rest of us. But thank you for your t- thank you for your tweet. Bob says the Bucks should have never got beat by a team missing three starters. Hey, um, you're you're not wrong. I yeah, you're right. I got nothing to add to that. And Mitch in Madison is still agreeing with me that Badger hockey is just really it's not. It's not doing it for me. I'm glad you're not hating on me, Mitch. We get a lot of texts like, hey, talk about Badger hockey. No, I I don't like hockey. I'm not going to, like, pretend to know what's going on and read you the score. And no, it's fine. I don't, I don't watch. But good for Congratulations to all those teams when they do well as always. I'm not hating. I just, I don't watch. Thank you for your texts and your tweets. 608-796-2558. Uh, our next guest, one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people, uh, that is Bart Winkler from The Fan in Milwaukee. Bart, how are you? It's good to hear your voice. Uh, I love that you're railing against Badger hockey. I would be doing the same thing. Hey, once again, not anti-Badger hockey, but like I, I would rather just be honest you about it. You can't like everything. There's, there's, exactly. only, there's only so much room that you can have in your sports brain. Yeah. Something's got to get cut, you know? And I try. Well, my open is me. It's a little chunk of my voice saying, I don't have time for Badger hockey. I need to watch the Wizards play on League Pass. Like, I can't make time for hockey. I like watching NBA games. I, Sorry. Good for Badger volleyball. Good for Badger hockey. Not hating. I just, yeah. I, I don't have time for it. It's fine. Uh, Bart, I, I gave our listeners kind of a preface. I was on with Ebo this morning in Madison, and he was playing Neil Diamond. And I, Ebo, I never would have expected you to be into Neil. So we talked about that for a while. And then I tweeted about it, and you threw me a retweet this morning when you were doing your show. And I was like, well... It's interesting. Bart must really love Neil Diamond. I never would have taken you as a Neil guy. This is interesting to me. Can you tell me more? Oh, my God. I love I love Neil Diamond. I went to high school around the turn of the millennium. Okay? So imagine nice. a – and that's when I, like, got into Neil Diamond pretty good. So imagine a 16-year-old kid in 1999, you know, loving Neil Diamond of all people. And I even bought some of his new stuff, which is absolute trash. Yeah. But Neil of the 70s and, like, 60s, 70s, 80s, I think we're, we're what we've lost, not to sound like an old man, but That's it's fine. true. So now I, I get I get why old people sound so, like, the old days were better because sometimes it's true. We're, like, TikTok songs are the number one songs, like, oh, no, 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 or whatever, where yep, they smash yep. the egg. There's nothing to it, it's, but it's, it's, you know, it's a catchy little hook. What Neil used to do was... Neil used to have beautifully composed songs with some li- just the lyrics that he wrote, the lyricist that he is. You can't find that today. There's nobody today that is on the level of Neil Diamond. He was, whether he was a little kid talking about his apartment in Brooklyn or how he was so lonely that he said, I am, I said, that nobody was there. And so he's talking to the chair. Yeah. I mean, Neil is, is, is just brilliant. Everywhere you slice it. So I'm glad that, you know, I would say you're maybe the next generation after me a little bit, kind of. Something. I don't know where the lines are drawn. But I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, younger folks than I are appreciating Neil Diamond, as I always thought that maybe it would be lost with people of my age. So I was, I was 
very tickled to see that today. Well, that's excellent. I like talking about a little bit of music on the show, and it's funny you bring up I Am, I Said, because I work on our Top 40 station as well, Z93. It's an excellent station. And Billie Eilish has a song, Therefore I Am, perhaps maybe inspired by Neil Diamond. The great lyrics aren't dead. Although oh, I'm, I'm not. I, I, don't, I don't like her. Yeah, I'm, I didn't say I loved the song, but I, you know, it just the, the title came into my mind. I, I was thinking about this today, Bart, not to talk about Neil for much longer, but I could argue that you're the Neil Diamond of Wisconsin Sports Radio because you find a way to take simple things and make them overly dramatic, which I love. Neil Diamond, for example, would say, Cracklin' Rosie, get on board, and he would, like, drag it out. And I've heard you say good morning to begin your show, and it's a production each and every day. I say, good morning, everybody. Exactly. It's quite Neil Diamond Day. And Neil Diamond's also not as respected for the, the, <laughs> the greatness that he has. So, yeah, I, I feel like I'm Neil. Yeah, I, I can see it. Uh, that being said, I could talk about Neil and music for a long time. I do want to talk about the Packers first, and then I have a Bucks question and a Brewers question. Something I was thinking about this week. Um, okay. I, I love the Packers, one of my one of my team, and probably the team that I'm most emotionally connected to because that's what I watch with my parents. I kind of got into NBA later, and baseball is hard to like fathom as a little kid. It's a lot of games and it's complicated. Nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I am so <laughs> glad, however, Bart, that I get to talk about the Brewers and the Bucks and the Badgers because if I think I think if I had to do full time Packers, I would have jumped off the Cast Street Bridge, especially this off season. I don't know what it is about this year, and maybe you can speak to it because you have a little bit more experience. I feel like Packers fans, this is just such a stressful, just a combative time to be a fan. I don't remember it ever being like this. Everybody's fighting with each other. Well, you can blame Cheesehead TV for that, except for uh, our girl Perry. Yeah, Perry's great. Perry and Maggie, good friends of the show. I Yeah, I like them. I don't know. Packers fans is never this, like, fractured, though. Like, there was, there was never, like, a cheesehead TV and then an anti-cheesehead. Like, there were never different factions. It was all just Packers fans, and we'd Grant. become splintered. Grant, you remember the Favre-Rogers situation? I was, uh, what, what year was that? Two, like, 2008, or are we talking 2005? Five. I was six. I was seven in 2005. This, this is what that is. This is the, it's the same thing. It's the, sa- it's the same thing. It's exactly the and, same. And... I think that what's worse is the worst um, invention of all time, disguised as a tool, which is social media. Mm. I think if I think if everybody like deactivated their accounts for a month and we tried to live, you know, like the time of Neil Diamond, if we tried to go back to that, we would find out that uh, every like the world, like, everything would be brighter, and people would get along better. Social media definitely amplifies it because. I mean, you, you sit there and pick fights with each other, and it's you know it's it's not healthy. But it is it's the quarterback situation, man. That's always going to be divisive. And the Packers have this guy who's very very good in Aaron Rodgers, and everybody seems to be okay with having him here. And some like the succession plan, some don't. But I think you know fellow lacrosse alum Brian Gutekind mm-hmm. keeps poking the bear. By not locking into Rodgers and wanting the flexibility because he saw Rodgers have the MVP season last year, and he, I still think he doubts him. So he still, he still wants to have the ability to move on and not take a huge cap hit if Rodgers doesn't perform this year or if they see something in Jordan Love. They've extended all these guys, giving out massive contracts. If you can have a guy on a rookie deal lead your team, you can build, I guess, your team out better than having $40 million sunk into a quarterback even though it's a quarterback-driven you know, league. So I think anytime there's a quarterback fight, you're going to get the amplification of the fight in the fan base. We all want the same thing. We all want them to win a Super Bowl. I think a lot of us just agree on what happens when they don't. Like, I, when they don't win a Super Bowl, sure, I'm very mad about it. And I think, well, you could have you did this and this and this. When maybe half, I don't know, a lot of other Packer fans say, we didn't win a Super Bowl. Aw, shucks, darn gee, let's try it again next year. And that only can last for so long. So I think that, you know, you win a Super Bowl 10 years ago. If this is any other franchise with any other quarterback, maybe that's still fine. But you have Aaron Rodgers after you had Brett Favre. 
I mean, you got to win another one with them. Otherwise, what was the whole point of this? Yeah, and and I didn't mean to bring up conflict. To, like I I just I think it's been interesting. I've enjoyed Bucks and Brewers and and getting onto different things because after that NFC Championship game, it's like I can't I can't do this. I can't do this all day every day like we did during the season. I need a break. And it's been nice to talk about the Brewers who start on Thursday and Bart Winkler from the Fan. I want to ask you about the Bucks too. I Bart when when I know you're coming on. I listen to your show a little bit because I want to hear your takes. So then when you come on, I know what you've been saying, and I know how to set you up like, like I can throw you lobs, right? Does that make sense? And you can throw them down. Like that's always my game plan when I bring on guests. And I loved your take, I think it was yesterday, about the Nassus. <laughs> I may have stolen it. Like the Nassus and other bench guys on this team, they play a very specific role. Like they, they are used in a specific way at a specific time, and they have utility in certain moments. And – that's what Bud needs to get better at for me. The reason why I love Craig Council and I always bring it back to him is because when September rolls around, he's gotten to know his team and he knows which button to push and, and the best time to use this player and the best time to leave this player on the bench. And I feel like with Coach Bud, it's random. Like, oh, okay, Pat, you get in there. Dante, you go back in there. You know, Bryn Forbes, I guess you go in. I want to see him get more deliberate. Like, what do you think of Coach Bud at this moment? And, and do you agree with that take? I'm not sure I've seen enough from Coach Bud to be confident in him. Well, I agree with that take because it's mine. Yes, yes. <laughs> Bu- building on your Thanasis take. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, uh, I'm i not sure I've seen enough from him in the regular season to be confident in him in the playoffs. Like, when they – so last night against the Clippers, Diakite comes in. And, and, you know, a lot of Bucks fans love Diakite because he – tore up the G League, and then he comes in the first quarter last night. Did he come in the first quarter because Bud had a specific plan for him, or did he just come in because Bud's like, oh, well, people like him, I guess. We'll see what happens. Yeah. There was, I don't think there was any rhyme or reason. Thanasis, he kind of lucked into because Thanasis just kind of started playing over dudes randomly when he didn't deserve it. And now you found that, hey, this guy – he can provide a specific role. You know, Adeta Kumpo or not, there's energy here. There, there's some ball handling here. He can, he can do something here. So that's what I want to see from Bud over the next couple of months is figure out come playoff time when Giannis is playing 38 minutes, I hope, and Middleton 38 and Drew 40, and these guys are all in there a long, long time. How are you going to best effectively use the other minutes? Are you just going to give 30 minutes to Pat Connaughton because it's comfortable? Or have you figured out your team enough to know that, yes. all right, I'll give Pat 15 because he does provide us something, but also I need Diakite in there when I need a little more aggressiveness to the rim. I need Thanasis in there when we might be getting a little less lackadaisical or we can, like, stunt their second unit a little bit. I need Forbes in there. I need Merrill in there when I want to space things out. So spread out those other minutes to multiple guys. Just know by then what their roles are. And I'm not sure that Bud is capable of doing that. We'll see. I think maybe he is, but there's nobody I've ever seen coach a team that's as stubborn as as Mike Budenholzer. Yeah, it's it's very random. It's very odd. And that is your take. I just kind of talked myself in a circle and then threw it back at you. You want it? I have a very good uh, take memory because I listen to so much sports radio and all these different shows. And you want to know one of my favorite takes of all time, and it's one of yours. I remember this would have been in 20, was it 2017, no, 20, 2019, when the Bucks made the Eastern Conference wow. Finals. And I remember because I was painting houses at the time, and I would listen to different morning shows in the morning, and I remember you adamantly, for a week plus, claiming that Tony Snell would have helped the Bucks in the Eastern Conference <laughs> Finals. And I've never stopped thinking about that, and I never will. I will forget, I'll get dementia one day, I'll forget the name of everyone I love, everyone around me, and I'll be like, God, I wonder if Tony Snell actually could have. It's one of my favorite takes ever. Well, he's a good defender, and he knows Kyle, Kawhi Leonard from high school. That's yeah. I love this take. You don't, yeah. You don't need to. You don't need to pitch yourself to me. I just. I got it. I don't know. That's always something that I think well, about. I at least and not I, try it for ten minutes. I'm. I'm all for trying things. I think that's. I think that's the consensus with Coach Bud. Is just try things. So when the playoffs roll around, you can have a specific plan, which is what Craig Council is so good at. Bart, one Brewers question before I let you go, and it's a big picture question that I just kind of came across yesterday, and I thought, hmm, this is interesting. I didn't, I, I, I had a Brewers guest on yesterday, and I didn't prep him with this question. Normally, I send him the questions ahead of time. I just sprung this on him. Are we living currently in the golden era of Brewers baseball? I mean, think about it. Three straight playoff trips. Wow. I know. Looking like an NL Central favorite this year. I, is this as good as it's ever been? I know we always talk about the 80s, but are, are we living it? 
right now? Because this is pretty fantastic. I know we're concerned about the Dodgers, but is this the golden age of, of Brewers baseball? Craig Council, by the way, third winningest manager in, in Brewers history as well. Wow. Wow. See, let's not, let's not let people think that this is a one-way exchange of goods here. What do you mean? You have given me plenty. You have given me plenty of conversational pieces from being on your show, and I will absolutely be talking about this tomorrow. Isn't it a good? And it's perfect leading into wow. opening day. We're going for four straight playoff trips. And you just thought of that on your own? Well, I don't remember how I came up with it. It's it's kind of it starts as satire. Like, is this the golden age? But then I'm like, wait, the Brewers have been terrible for a long time. It might actually be ah. the golden age of Brewers baseball. Man, you can go far in this industry if it doesn't spit you out and chew you up like it does the most. Yeah, I just need a couple divorces. <laughs> need a girlfriend before I can do that, though. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> um, I, God, what, what else would it be? 82 was, okay, we weren't alive, but 82, they lose the World Series and still had a parade. And then 83... <laughs> I have World Series tickets for 83 because they printed them out just in case. So they must have been good that year, too. Um, my first favorite Brewer team was 92. They had 92 wins, which is second in the AL East, and only one team per division made the playoffs, so it can't be that. 2008-11, you could look at Braun, Fielder, Weeks, Hardy. I think a lot of people enjoy that time because there was a specific group of players. Yes that were coming up through the minors that we all got attached with, and then they all kind of came up at the same time. So some might say that, but three straight playoff appearances, and I know last year was weird and they had a losing record, but the Dodgers did not get through that series comfortably. Uh, I, I think we could be, Grant. Wow. Isn't that interesting to wow. think about? Now, that, that gives us reason to be excited, but also is like, wow, well, there's not a whole lot to – harken back with in Brewers history. But that's, I mean, that's fine. It's a small market team. I, I enjoy Council. I enjoy Stearns. I enjoy this group of players. I like the way that they go about things. I mean, they're, they're aggressively spending money this year. You give them credit. Like, I, I complain about the Brewers being cheap as much as the next guy, but I, I got to give it to them this year. I didn't expect this, and I'm really excited for this season. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to win the division. And I'm fine with that. If they, if they win that, that's a successful season, which I would never say about the Bucks or the Packers. No, it is different. I think expectations are a little different. I, I'm I'm as excited for this season as I've been maybe for any because I think that there's a lot of guys that if they play up to their potential, I mean, this could be a very special season. They've got two pitchers that, that anchor the rotation that are homegrown dudes. They've got a very specific plan uh, offensively and defensively where they, they, they got three gold glovers back from a year ago, including Kane in that, and then the two additions. I think some of these guys that were not good last year I keep bringing up Omar Narvaez because he hit 170 last year, which is totally not like him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even have to get back up to 270, his average. He just needs to hit like 210. Yeah. And you're already 40 points better at that. So they're going to be better than last year, just kind of with that uh, being said. Now, the Justin Telpa in the bullpen, he's hurt. That's kind of a bummer, but they got a, a lot of good arms, and they're trying stuff with uh, Auburndale's finest. Jordan Zimmerman, <laughs> so there could be something there. I, yeah, I, wow, that's a really good question. It's just something to think about, about as we get closer to Thursday, something to think about. And, Bart, I've kept you way too long, and I feel bad, but I always appreciate your input and your uh, your takes about music as well. Radio people have interesting takes on, on all sorts of music and pop culture and stuff. But as you joked, we don't have good taste in jobs, which I found hilarious, but we have good taste in, in everything else. So I appreciate your time, man. Thanks. <laughs> Bye, Grant. Be well, Bart. Talk to you soon. Bart Winkler, the fan. Winks thinks on Twitter. Appreciate him as always. Let's take a break. Get back to talk about, I don't know, should we do the Brewers Golden Age thing? Let's do that for a couple of minutes. Next, Wisco Sports Show. Be right back. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Neil Diamond and Bart Winkler and Thanasis Antetokounmpo just hitting all the important topics and talking about all the important people today so far on the show. This all started this morning, if you're not in on the Neil Diamond chatter, which I, which I think is the word radio people always use. If you're not in on this, so Ebo had me on in the zone this morning. Always lucky to be 
a part of a fine program like Over the Line with Ebo and Nelson and and that fine cast of characters in in Madison on WOZN. And he was playing Neil Diamond as a bumper. Now, I love Neil Diamond. I didn't think Ebo would be a Neil guy. When I grew up, we had like a like a bin of CDs, and I remember a couple of them very very clearly. We had a Beach Boys CD that we would listen to. I think Kenny Chesney, No Shoes, No Shirt, No Problem. That was a CD we would always play. Jimmy Buffett, Naturally, Fruitcakes, because the '90s were a weird time. And then the essential Neil Diamond, you know, like that that the essential like greatest hits. They all were the black and white CDs. Oh, Solitary Man, Into Cherry Cherry, Kentucky Woman, Thank the Lord for the Nighttime. Just brought back memories. And Ebo bringing that up on this morning show, it's kind of been a Neil-themed day for me. A lot of Neil. Uh, it was it was really weird to talk about that with Bart Winkler, who I guess is a Neil guy as well. You'd never know. There's dozens of us. Dozens. It's the Wisco Sports Show, and my name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an excellent night. The Bucks lost last night. They got killed. Very, very discouraging loss. The Clippers didn't even have Paul George, but can you tell in my voice that it's not getting me down? It's not bothering me. Not bothering me one bit. It's Tuesday. We don't have time to be miserable today. If we're miserable today, we'll never make it through the rest of the week. So we are talking a little bit about the Bucks' loss. We're going to talk about NFL coming up at 530 because DraftKings Sportsbook put out their over-unders, uh, their playoff odds, their division percentages. Now, we're not going to make bets or make predictions, but we're going to use these numbers as a jumping-off point to kind of really begin to talk about this upcoming season, especially with the draft right around the corner. So NFL coming up at 530. Actually, shocking. Play on words a little bit. Shocking. Talk about Marquette for like eight minutes. But we're going to talk about Marquette through the lens of Wisconsin basketball. So Shaka Smart is now the new coach. Zach Heilprin, because he is just a saint of a man, sent me a little bit of audio from his introductory press conference. And I have some things to say. Um, So we'll hear from Shaka Smart, talk Wisconsin hoops, kind of a wrap up on the season. And as always, we appreciate Zach for the fine report. With this Wisconsin Sports Zone Network update, I'm Zach Heilprin. Now, in the meantime... I had planned to talk about Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley. I don't know if you saw today, but they were spotted in Mexico uh, for the first time. They were boarding a private jet. It's a big thing. Tom Silverstein, Green Bay Press Gazette, Spoon, as he's known in the business, wrote a piece on it. And I had this long segment planned. It was going to be like 15 minutes breaking down their relationship. And we were going to have someone on from Mayo Clinic Health System to talk about, you know, relationship dynamics. And we're going to punt on that. We're going to punt on that because I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about the Brewers, and this is a question that I posed to David Gasper yesterday, reviewing the Brew, and a question that I posed to Bart Winkler about 20 minutes ago. Are we, in this moment, right now, March 30th, 2021, are we living in the golden age of Brewers baseball? Is this as good as it's ever been? Now, I understand the dynamic here, okay? I'm 23, I was born in 1998, so I wasn't around for the 80s. I wasn't around for it. We always talk about the 80s and that team with Yount and Fingers and Gantner and, oh, that was Harvey's Wallbangers, right? I'm not confusing teams. I, that team sounds really fun. Like, and I'm, and I'm not ripping on that team. I'm not trying to disrespect that team at all. That's not my intention here. That was one team, and that run lasted for, what, like two years? And ever since then, Brewers haven't really been good. Well, not really. They haven't been good. You know, we freak out, and we, and we romanticize the era of Corey Hart and Ricky Weeks. I got into an argument with a buddy the other night. He's like, oh, they need Ricky Weeks back. I was like, you know, Colton Wong's better than Ricky Weeks. Like, like he was cool. Ricky Weeks was cool. You know, he was never really that good. His best, and I was arguing. He's like, oh, he was like a three. He hit 300 in a career year. I'm like, no, I don't think he did. I think his career was probably like 250, and it was. I don't remember what it was. It's not important. My point being, we romanticize some of these Brewers teams because we like the people on the team, and they're our small market team, and it's summertime, and summertime in Wisconsin is fun. It's not miserable and cold. So we romanticize baseball. It's hard not to be romantic about baseball. And I don't mean to disrespect the 80s Brewers or any team before. I don't mean to disrespect, I don't know, like 2011 or 2008 with CC. Those, those were fun times. But three straight playoff trips now. And I know last year is, is a little weird, but... I, the, the the more I look back on last year, that year just shouldn't count for anything. And don't take the World Series away from the Dodgers. That was a great team. And I think if the season was full length, they pro- they probably would have won the title. That was a really good team. But for every other team, like I don't I don't want to reference that year. Like it was a mess. It was all miscombobulated. It wasn't fair to the players. It was in that environment that the Brewers were able to make the postseason. And because I'm a Brewers fan, I'm going to count it. So the Brewers have made three straight postseasons. They, they came within a game away and arguably a Manny Pena bunt in July 
from making it four years ago. So we could be talking about not going for four in a row, but going for five. That kind of buzzword, sustained success, is unheard of for a team like the Brewers. And that's the reason why I bring this up. Not because I don't have anything better to talk about and not because I'm, I'm, you know, hoping that you will all call in and fill time so I don't have to talk. I think it's an interesting question. I think it's really interesting. You know, is this the golden era of Brewers baseball? Are we doing it? Are we living it? Because Craig Council is the longest tenured man- manager in the National League. He has created something that, I, I mean, he is the model of small market success. Is he not? You need to manage creatively. You need to adapt on the fly. You need to tear down some preconceived norms of how baseball is played. Starter, middle reliever, closer. Well, no, we, you know, we don't have as much money. We're not the Dodgers. We got to change up how we think about these things. And Council's done it. He's out-getters. He has a run prevention unit, right? Moving guys around in the field, playing different positions, and not being afraid to find a way to get the best nine guys on the diamond playing defense. Craig Council is not afraid to shake things up. And I think the system that he has devised in the market that he's devised it alongside David Stearns, I, I don't know as a Brewers fan, other than maybe making the World Series in 2018, I, I, don't, I don't know what more they could have done. Like, well, the last two years, what could they have done? They tried it last year with Narvaez and Healy and Sogard, and I hated it, okay? I much preferred them to, to keep Yasmani Grandal. But David Stearns, this year, what did he do? He, he kind of said, oh, last year didn't go well. Like that, that, that we were trying something, it didn't work. So what do they do? They pay Jackie Bradley Jr. They pay Colton Wong. Ecstatic. I am thrilled. I, I'm beside myself happy with those moves. That's awesome. That's great. And I said this uh, a couple of months ago in the offseason. I said, look, this Brewers team has two great starters. I think they might find a third or a fourth. We'll see with Hauser and Peralta. I love their bullpen. I like some of their offensive players. They get a couple of bats, and this team could contend. And you know what they did? They went and got bats. That's exa- they did exactly what I wanted. I remember this segment clear as day. I had a newspaper in front of me talking about this, reading a piece from the Press Gazette. I, I'm beside myself happy with this Brewers team right now. 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. Our friend Binksy, I, yeah, I put up the bat signal to talk Brewers, and you called in. I love it. What's going on today, Binks? Uh, well, I think it's just telepathy. I'm on my commute home, so... I, I love listening to your Brewers talk. Grant, i got to ask you, you got to be half my age. If I can admit I'm 46, you're less than 23, right? I'm a little over 23. Am I right? Yeah, I turned 23 in February. Okay. It's, it's just too bad. And granted that the Brewers were in the American League back in the 80s, and that's when I'm going to say, you know what? I'm sorry, man. That's when baseball was not really as much of a business as it is now. Okay. When, you know, you guys had coming, you know, to Milwaukee to, uh, you know, play for, you know, play for fun. You had guys who had a lot of fun and you didn't see a lot of guys leave Milwaukee for big bucks until maybe the late 80s, early 90s. Um, so I would challenge your point on that one. Other than that, I, I, I totally agree with you that last year was not a playoff team. Yes. I don't even know why. I think if they were to have advanced to, to any sort of a, uh, you know, if they get a banner in Miller Park, excuse me, American Family Fields this year because Good. they made the playoffs, they should have an asterisk next to it or something. <laughs> That'd be funny. Um, because I don't, yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't count to me. And I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, we have to blame COVID, but they did with the, the best with what they could, but looking forward, I'm optimistic too. I'm a little, I'm a little worried about some of the offense that comes with <clears throat> third base. Um, but uh, and I've been listening to, I, um, I've been listening to the Brewer broadcast out of spring training. One thought that popped in my head, and I've been waiting to call in, mm-hmm. is I heard one of our very wonderful Wisconsin legacy radio announcers say he would hate to hear if Jacob Nottingham had to leave the Brewers ball club because he's out of options. Sure. Now, Grant, go with that one. What do you think? Nottingham. Well, I appreciate the call. Um, Let me stew on this for a second. Yeah, I appreciate you, Binks. Thanks for the call. And no doubt we're going to have Brewers conversations throughout the year. I, I appreciate you always picking your spots. Whenever I have a good Brewers topic, I see the phone light up. Jacob Nottingham, this is... This is the tough thing about the, the way the Brewers do business, right? 
I'm sure they really, really like Jacob Nottingham, and they hope that he can develop. And, you know, he's been around for a couple of years. It feels like he's been on the cusp for a long time. Now, I don't know if Jacob Nottingham is going to amount to much. Um, I would I would defer that question to one of our good Brewers guests, either McAlvey or David Gasper, who does, you know, gives us some really good insight every time he's on. What I can speak to is the options. Maybe not Nottingham as a player, but I can speak to the options. Part of the way the Brewers do business, as you said, the way they build a team is they really, really value flexibility. It's it's like the Brewers pay attention to batting average and they pay attention to slugging percentage and on base percentage. When they're when they're factoring, do we want to trade for this guy? Do we want to get this guy? Should he be on the team? They factor in all these performance metrics, but then they're also factoring in, well, do they have options? Because that's a factor for the Brewers. They want a guy who can hit and run and field and do all these things, but also they want a guy who's flexible. At least a, a player like Jacob Nottingham. Now, if you're getting Yasmani Grandal, he's an everyday player. Well, I, you know, you're not optioning him down, right? You're not sending him down. But the Brewers put together a 40-man roster at the beginning of the year in a way that allows them to change and ebb and flow throughout the year. And it would be a bummer, yes, if Jacob Nottingham was left off the roster because he doesn't have any options. But that's the way the Brewers do business. And I guess my one pushback about, like, I, I like Jacob Nottingham, but, but I guess that's a challenge for baseball players. Like, you, you need to establish yourself before you run out of options, right? You, you need to be good enough where you force a team to keep you, whether you have options or not. And I don't know if Jacob Nottingham has reached that point. And they like Manny Pena. They like Omar Narvaez, right? They have, they have a good, good enough catcher's room. I really like Manny Pena. You know this. I wish he would have played more last year. I think they tried it for too long with Narvaez. It's the way the Brewers do business. It, it is a business. And Binks, I'm glad that you spoke to the 80s because I'm sure sports used to be different. You know, it, it's weird to think about an NFL in which free agency didn't exist before a certain time. Right, like, so so players just stayed in one place? They didn't move around? Part of that sounds kind of cool. Like, if you draft a player, you got him. But what if you can't draft a good player? What if you can't find anyone, right? Then you go out and you you get a shot in the arm by adding uh, oh, Reggie White, for example, right? One of the first marquee signings. It, it's weird to think about sports before a time in which player mobility, especially, was such a thing, where players were chasing big contracts and situation became more important. And And I think you see the other end of the spectrum in the NBA, Right, Not only do players switch places all the time, but they won't even wait until their contract's up to do it. Anthony Davis will request a trade you know, with two years left on his deal. Same with Harden. or you know, I don't, I don't think Paul George requested a trade out of Oklahoma City, but he was traded. He did get moved. It's hard to think that he had no input on that whatsoever. Play, players now, it's like, oh, I know I'm under contract. Trade me anyways. Oh, yeah, and also trade me exactly where I want to go. Think of that. Think of that happening in the 80s. Think of that happening in the 90s before sports became more of a business, like Binks said. Right? Like imagine, imagine a player in the early 90s saying, hey, I, I, I want to trade, and here's where I want to go, and if you trade me somewhere else, I'll refuse to play or I'm not re-signing. Right? It's, it's a very vocal part of player mobility that's only really become a thing in, what, the last five, five years in the NBA? And I know I'm using the NBA as an example. This is a baseball topic, but sometimes sports intersect. Baseball and basketball and football can all intersect, especially if you're looking at history throughout the years and the way that sports as a business as a whole has changed. I, I, once again, I'm not trying to take anything away from the 80s Brewers, right? But the last three years, this team's been in the postseason, and a couple of years ago, they were one game away. So we could be talking about going for five straight, not for four straight. And I know that they... You know, other than the, the one year they went to the NLCS, you know, they haven't been knocking down the door of a World Series. But, I mean, is, is this not what the Brewers are trying for? They're trying to sustain success, correct? They're trying to be good every year. They're not trying to go all in a la CC Sabathia in 2008, burn out, and then be trash for the next three seasons. And for the Brewers, I respect that. For the Packers, I feel a little differently. Right For the Bucks at the present moment with Giannis, I feel a little differently. Because sustained success isn't like a realistic option for an NBA team like Milwaukee. You can try to be a, a decent enough franchise, but as far as contending for a title every year, no, no, no. You, you need to maximize these years with Giannis. With the, with the Packers, I've said this for the last week. Right? I think they should be more intentional about maximizing this time. And, and don't worry about being bad, especially in the NFL. If there's a league to be bad, it's the NFL. You can get good right away. There's so many mechanisms in place to help struggling teams, especially if they're run well, which the Packers are. I think we all agree there. With the Brewers, it's a little different. The World Series for a team like the Brewers is such a pipe dream. And you can't win the World Series 
if you're losing 100 games. So being in World Series contention starts by just being viable. And the Brewers have managed to be viable now for, what, four straight years? Going on five, playoff team for three straight years? And I bring this up because they have continuity. The longest tenured manager in the National League. The third most winningest Brewers manager in Brewers history. And that started in the tank in 2016 when Council, 2015 when Council was hired. Not dissing Brewers history. Not dissing other Brewers teams, especially teams that I didn't get to see. Because that's really, really unfair. But I think it's a fair question to pose. Like, we might just be living in the golden era of Brewers baseball. Interesting to think about with opening day just a couple of days away. Let's take a break. I want to talk college hoops. We're in the Elite Eight. I don't really care about that. Uh, the Badgers are dead. So we'll talk a slightly little bit about that. And I also want to talk about uh, Marquette. They hired Shaka Smart. And uh, I wasn't planning on talking about this today, but Zach Heilprin sent me some excellent audio. And I thought, I'm not going to waste that. Let's do that coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. With this Wisconsin Sports Zone Network update, I'm Zach Kyle Print. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. <laughs> 